I suspect that I'm not the only one, uh, but I will take responsibility, and if it applies to you, I'll let you take responsibility. Sometimes I'm prone toward grumbling about stuff, but then when that stuff gets better, I'm not nearly as celebratory as I was grouchy about what was wrong. Now, that's just me, probably doesn't apply to any of you, but I would just say, has anybody noticed and talked a lot about how nice it is to sing without mask on? I'm just saying. Um, not that you weren't all really gracious, but I heard about that from time to time over the months. But I've not heard much recently. Granted, I was on vacation, but I'm just putting it out there. As long as I'm on a roll here, true confession. Um, I'm just going to put it out here right from the start. I own it. And take it for what it's worth. When it came to a message for this week, I was stuck with a capital S for a variety of reasons ever since April when I completed the What's the Big Deal series related to Easter, I've been unable to find any sense of rhythm when it comes to my message preparation. A lot of different reasons that don't matter. Late last week, I knew I needed to give Michelle a clue as to where I was headed, but I had nothing. Before service last Sunday, I had to go to her right where she's seated and say, I've still got nothing. You better just go ahead and pick music. Don't wait for me. After rehearsal on Wednesday night, she graciously approached me, and I sheepishly looked at her and said, I got nothing. So needless to say, Thursday morning... I did have a general idea of where I wanted to look for a message. And I was determined when I got to the office to grind it out. Then, before I got to it, I read a quote that I just couldn't shake. And I felt the need to abandon my previous inclination and go in a slightly different direction. So, not more than a feeling. But this is the quote. Repentance is more than a repeated apology. Just let that settle for a minute. Repentance is more than a repeated apology. Today I would suggest to you that repentance is one of those words that we sometimes hear or use in church settings without personally embracing its full intended impact. In the biblical context, repentance is more than a repeated apology. Repentance is more than a feeling. Repentance is more than being sorry for our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes that are contrary to God's desires or are hurtful to others. So what is it? One of the passages speaks to it. Luke puts it this way in Acts chapter 319. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repentance is more than a repeated apology. It involves turning, as that passage says, or an actual change in direction, an intentional measurable, sustained transition 
from moving away from God's desires and expectations to moving towards them. I suspect most folks who profess to follow Christ are sorry at times, and they feel bad for their choices, their attitudes, and their action. The question always must come into play is what's different because of that sorrow? Personally, I found it somewhat convicting that repent, excuse me, that Wikipedia seems to get this, even though it appears that many of us who follow Christ don't fully grasp it. Listen to how Wikipedia frames the word repentance. Repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions. Repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. So it does start out with a feeling of regret or contrition. But Wikipedia goes on. This is Wikipedia. This isn't some spiritual giant, not disrespecting Wikipedia. This is not a preacher saying this. So again, starting from the beginning, repentance is the activity of reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs, which is accompanied by commitment to and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. It's not enough to feel something. Something should change. Peter, after the experience of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, when he stood up to preach, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The word Peter used in that context speaks of a complete change of heart and the confession of sin. We often associate concepts like repentance with confession and feelings, but we lose sight of the importance of a complete change of heart. A complete change of heart will generate actual behavioral change. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter talks about a complete change of heart and contrition for our sins, and then he immediately recommends taking action based upon that change of heart. Be baptized. And many of you have heard me say, if you've attended a baptism service here, we look at baptism as an outward profession of a transformation that's taken internally, taken place internally. So we're showing the world, not only do I feel differently, I'm committing publicly to behave differently. Some folks, myself included, sometimes look at repentance as a call to stop and start. Stop doing one thing and start doing something different. And to emphasize that, I want to take time to walk through a rather lengthy passage, and I encourage you to follow along. I'm not going to put the verses up there on your phone, in your Bible, uh, but, but as we move through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, through chapter 5, verse 11, I encourage you to think about how the call to stop and start may apply to various areas of your life. 
Now, some of you have some of the same inclinations that I do, and some of you are really, really different. My inclination is to think inside the box. All right, some of you, you just thrive by thinking outside of the box. Awesome. I'm sure we irritate each other. Um, but don't think inside the box. Just because something that God prompts you, you might need to wrestle with, isn't on the list we're going to look at, don't dismiss it. Because this list is not all-consuming or all-inclusive. There are other things that you or I or we may need to stop and to start. But Ephesians chapter 4, Paul kind of gives some some ideas as far as the whole idea of a complete change of heart generating a change in behavior. And friends, that's what it's all about. So I'm going to jump in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm just going to read from my notes. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, Paul picks up, I'm picking up in mid-thought, but he says, When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Verse 22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So again, here's the stop. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. So in other words, stop what you were doing. And then he continues in verse 23, and he says, To be made new in the attitude of your minds. So again, stop what you were doing, stop what you were becoming, and change your mind. Your attitude should be transformed. And then he says in verse 24, Put on the new self created to be like a God in true righteousness and holiness. Some of you that have been around for a while have heard me say stuff like this before. I strongly believe that we often have a strong inclination in the church today, and probably the church since the beginning of the church. We have a great temptation with this idea of repentance to want to put on the new without taking off the old, all right? Now, some of you, I'll give you a a graphic illustration. Some of you have noticed that it's warm outside. And some of you have noticed that I may carry a few extra pounds from time to time. I decided to take my few extra pounds out at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when it was 90 degrees and mow the lawn. I may have sweated just a little. I know Dan is stunned. I know with a fit like this, you'd think I would never sweat. Now, imagine if I had, that was like Wednesday. Imagine if I'd thrown that shirt in the corner and then put it back on this morning. And then I put this beautifully ironed new shirt over it. I'm putting on the new, but it's probably still going to stink. Pretty graphic, isn't it? You guys can smell it, right? All right. But ask yourself, are there areas where I keep trying to put on the new without taking off the old, and I wonder why things still kind of smell bad? I went to the grocery store yesterday, and I won't say where, but... 
I went and I was hungry, which you know, I know you're not supposed to do, but I had to go. But I don't know what had happened, but I think something had spoiled in the meat department because it smelled bad. And I could barely buy the stuff I had to buy because I totally lost my appetite. Friends, we have to understand sometimes we have to take a step back and say, have I really put off the old? Because all the effort in the world of putting on the new is not going to yield the results we desire. Be made new, verse 23, be made new in the attitude of your mind, excuse me, and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, we're not just called to put on a better version of ourselves. We're called to put on the likeness of God, true righteousness and holiness. Setting the bar right up there. Verse 25, therefore each of you, now he's going to get a little bit more specific. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood. Put off, stop, and speak truthfully to your neighbors. Stop messing with the truth and start being honest and truthful. Then verse 28, I skipped a few verses. Verse 28, he says, Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, good idea. But he doesn't leave it there. It's not enough to stop. He wants us to start something. Now, again, you may not be stealing, but is there something God is calling you to stop that you need to put something else in its place? He says, um, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Stop taking and start giving. Now, again, we're not just talking about stealing money out of the cash register. Where in our lives might we need to stop taking all the time and start giving instead? Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, again, there are things that would be a lot more comfortable if he would say here, if he would define what unwholesome means. You know what I mean? Okay, don't use these four words that have four letters and start with these letters. Or like they do, you know, when they're trying not to use net bad words and they put four, th- three letters in a blank space. Like, uh, pretty obvious what we're talking about here. He says, any unwholesome talk. Ugh. It's interesting. When I first became a Christ follower, I thought I, I had a foul mouth. Most of what I said was unwholesome, even when it didn't need to be. That's just the way I talked. Not proud of it. When I started hanging out with Christians, that became awkward rather quickly. And I worked really, really hard, and I thought if I could just stop using the the words on the forbidden list, I had it covered. You know what? Unwholesome is a lot more broad than a few key words on a list. And he he goes into further detail. He says, anyone, excuse me, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. So what's the opposite of unwholesome? 
only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Oh, seriously? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. That's a pretty challenging definition of avoiding unwholesome talk. And I will only speak for myself here in all seriousness. That's a check for me. Obviously, I managed to avoid the words on the do not say list. But it gets real uncomfortable when I ask myself, how often does my speech build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen? And how often do I say things that just don't need to be said and don't meet that criteria? Is that uncomfortable? I, I got more. I'm just... <laughs> says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Just get rid of it. Instead, stop, start, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Boy. That's a pretty high standard because he's forgiven me completely and I so did not and do not deserve it. So maybe that applies to other. I was in a bit of a rant earlier this week as we were in the car and Diana gently said, you seem a little short in the compassion department. She had no idea what I was going to preach. You seem a little short in the compassion department lately. Excuse me? It wouldn't have been nearly uncomfortable or awkward had she not been right. Be kind and compassion. Now, now most of us would say, Ah, no, I'm not bitter, I'm not raging, I'm not angry, I haven't had a brawl lately, I don't slander, I'm not filled with malice. But then if we said, well, are you consistently kind and compassionate, forgiving others just as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you? He continues in chapter 5 with verse 1. Follow God's example. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us. Repent then and turn to God that times of refreshing may come. Verse 3, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are all out of place. Put off, stop, and then simple two-word summary. 
excuse me, three word, but rather thanksgiving. Put away sexual immorality, impurity, greed, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, and put in place a heart and a life and attitudes and actions filled with thanksgiving. And again, obscenity, okay. Coarse joking, eh, how do we define what's, you know, what's appropriate, what's not. But foolish talk. How many times do I run my mouth and say things that just didn't need to be said and really didn't help anyone or help the situation? Verse 8, for you were once darkness. Stop living in the darkness. And then continuing with start. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Again, I can't speak. I only see bits and pieces of your lives. But how much time, if any, I'm not assuming you do, but how much time do I spend in darkness? And how much time do I spend in the light? Because we are called to be children of the light. Verse 11. Have nothing to do with fruit, the fruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Again, we overcome the darkness by introducing light. That's what we're called to be and to do. I've said it countless times over the years. Sometimes as Christ followers, we want to see how close we can stand to the mud puddle without actually getting dirty. And then we're surprised when we get dirty. Paul suggests that we have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Repentance is more than a repeated apology. I have no idea who Kevin DeYoung is. I didn't even bother to Google it and search. He may have terrible things to say if you look at others. But that quote made me stop and pause. In response to this challenge, I invite each of you to ask yourself this question. Are there areas of my life where I'm repeatedly apologizing or confessing to God, but nothing has really changed in my thoughts and behaviors? Remember how many times you've heard me say, how many times we talk about striving for a real, personal, life-changing relationship with God. Life-changing. Friends, I don't ever strive to present a message to make you feel bad. I do entertain the notion of trying to say things that will help us to be different. When it comes to your relationship with God, 
if you find yourself feeling sorry but not doing anything different, at some point you need to turn. And I will say the opposite. If you find yourself doing, if you're really making changes, but you can't escape the feelings of guilt and shame, at some point you need to release the feelings or they will hold you back. Once you've turned, just keep going. Don't let the past continue to torment you and restrict and impair your future. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Yes, there are times we should feel guilt and shame, but once we have bought into that repentance and embraced that salvation and received that forgiveness, there's no regret. We don't have to hold on to it anymore. And if we do, that's worldly sorrow. That's not godly sorrow. That's worldly sorrow that will suck us back down. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Friends, that's the beauty of what God has for us. And that's the beauty of godly repentance is we can be set free and we can experience times of refreshing that he desperately desires to bring into our lives. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He wants us to be refreshed. And sometimes our lack of being refreshed is because we're sorry, but we've not been sorry enough to change. And so we just stay miserable in the sorrow. But when we are sorrow, sorrowful enough to turn, He is just waiting to refresh us. I'm going to pray as the worship team makes their way up. And they're going to do a couple of songs on forgiveness. And I just remind you that that's what God has for us. That's why repentance matters. That's what opens the door for us to be transformed and receive that refreshing. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you love us enough to even give us the opportunity and the option of repenting. Father, as we sing about the wonderful gift of repentance and the wonderful gift of forgiveness, I pray that you would help each of us not to feel another dump truck load full of guilt and sorrow but to just make a personal determination that instead of sorrow we will choose to turn and walk increasingly in the light 
so that darkness will have no place in our lives. We thank you, Father. Amen.